me speaking or the chance to hear stuff said from the front, but we pray this will be an event in which you speak to us personally. And we may hear your soft whisper this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take your seats. So if you have your Bibles with you, we're looking um, at Mark chapter 8, verse 22 to 30. And if it is your first time here, maybe it's your first experience of a church, and you're wondering, what's this guy going to get up and say to us now? Is he going to kind of preach us and tell us what to believe? Our heart um, for this particular series that we're looking at tonight is, is entitled, Why Jesus um, questioning Mark. And the aim is that if you've got questions, we want you to bring those to the service tonight. Don't be afraid that you have to leave them to the door and somehow come to church with everything sorted because that's where everyone who has it sorted goes. I can assure you, I don't have it sorted. And anyone else who's honest in this congregation will put their hands up as well and say they don't have it sorted. So I want you to bring your questions um, about who this Jesus is. And as we explore a bit of him through, through Mark and his gospel, the way he told the story of Jesus. So, uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 22 to 30. It says this. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. (laughs) They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, and his eyes were opened His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, Don't even go into the village. Jesus and his disciples came onto the villages around Caesarea Philippi. Philippi, On the way, he asked them, Who do do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. What about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. I don't know about you, but there's a a lot in a name, isn't there? A name or a title can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. So maybe if it is your first time here tonight, um, you maybe struggled to ever walk over the threshold of a church because of what you know of Christians to be like. Maybe that's really positive. Maybe your experience is they are wonderful people who serve in the community. You've got some great Christian friends and and you've experienced a really positive view of of the church and what that means. You've experienced this great community that gets together and and helps the journey of one another and, and others. But maybe you haven't had that experience. Maybe your experience has been negative or maybe you've seen stuff in the media and that defines totally what church means for you. So we have this one term that for some of us can mean so many positive things and for some of us can mean so many negative things. I don't know about you, but I see this more and more. So um, my title as, as pastor or minister, I find more often, I, I love introducing myself as that because watching people's reactions is absolutely brilliant. So you get that kind of, if you've ever been with me and I've met someone for the first time, you'll know what I'm talking about because you'd have experienced this yourself. I, they say, oh, so, so what's your name? I'm, I'm Ross. And, oh, Ross, what do, you, what do you do? 
I'm like, oh, so, and I, 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 I gauge this moment. Do I say minister? And they think priest. Or do I say pastor? And they think kind of big mega church in America. And I go, um, I'm, a, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pastor. Sometimes they're like, oh, really? That's so cool. Like, but you're young. And like, I don't think you're weird. And we're kind of getting on. This doesn't make any sense. Like, can we, can we talk about faith? And I'm like, oh, amazing. Sometimes they, 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 um, they kind of just react normally, I suppose. But my personal favorite is where I go, I'm a pastor. And, and this is the more often than not. And they go, oh. Oh. Yeah. And they have no idea what to say. And I'm like, I don't know what to say in that moment. Do I say, well, we're about to go and slaughter some lambs and worship, worship Satan. Do you want to join me? I mean, that's what we as Christians do, right? I, I, I love that reaction. I kind of dwell in that moment of awkwardness. Or what about um, the term Christian? Maybe for yourself, you, you, you'll be talking to people and, and they'll go, so, so what, do you, what do you do on Sunday, mate? And you, and, and you don't want to say church because you're not sure how to interpret that. So you go, well, I'm, I'm a Christian, so I sometimes go to church. And, and suddenly that term, again, means so many different things to so many people. My dad doesn't want to tarnish the good name of, of Christian. So, and many of you might do this yourself. I think it's brilliant. So he refuses to put the Christian fish in the back of the car. You know that moment where he doesn't want to ruin the witness? And I just said to my dad, well, just drive better, and then you won't ruin the witness. But instead, he doesn't want to tarnish the name of Christian. Or what about, um, what are the other terms? What about terms like evangelical? <laughs> wow, there's a bit of an atmosphere in the room when I said that. For some people, that might be really positive, and you might define yourself as an evangelical, but for some of you, your experience might be, well, that means fundamentalist, it means narrow-minded, maybe, and someone's got to say it tonight, Maybe it relates to, you, you heard Trump say he's a fundamentalist. A uh, fundamentalist and evangelical, sorry. And you link it to that. And this term has suddenly become very negative in your mind, or it's very positive for other people. I say that at the start, because as we come to this particular um, story that we're looking at tonight, with the, the blind man, but then as Jesus talks to his disciples about who he is and his title, you'll notice that throughout Mark's gospel, one of his key characteristics is that he has this kind of air of secrecy. Jesus is always doing cool stuff and then saying, but don't tell anyone. You know, I've done this, but, but don't go and tell people about who I am. Don't go and tell people about what you've experienced. So he, he heals this blind man in this occasion and he tells him, don't even go into the village because others will f- see that you're healed and they'll go, oh, why, why are you healed? Start asking questions and word will get out. We has, in Mark 1, he heals this guy with leprosy. And he says to him, but don't go and tell people. He, he heals this person of an unclean spirit. And as the spirit's coming out, it, it shouts his name. It says, Jesus Christ, son of God. And he's like, don't. He, he, he suddenly calms the spirit and casts it out. And I said about you, but when I read Mark's gospel, I'm like, why? Like, surely that's the purpose of what Jesus wanted. He wanted people to follow him. And to follow him, they need to know who he is. So why is he stopping everyone telling people about who he is and what he does. Why is he stopping for saying the son of God? Why is he stopping this demon saying son of God? He is the son of God, right? But then that term was so complex in that day and age. It meant so many different things to so many different people. We know it as meaning Jesus, the son of God, but yet in the day there was a lot of complexity around that term. It was nowhere near as clear cut as we would have seen today. And also it seems that Jesus is trying to stop um, kind of hype about this stuff getting out. So everyone doesn't go, oh, you heard of Jesus, he's healing people, come with me. And he gets hundreds of people coming to him to be healed. Because on one occasion that does happen and he has to change his whole journey as a consequence of this, this kind of sensationalism about who he is and what he's doing. It's also to prevent 
people, it seems to be, to prevent people from defining him. Defining him in ways maybe that are, are, are unhelpful. Coming out of understandings of, that he doesn't want of who he is and what he's come to accomplish. For example, they might be focusing completely on the healing and seeing the physical outworking, but ignoring all his teaching about the fact that he's calling people, as Sheila was saying the other week, to the kingdom of God. He was bringing, inaugurating this kingdom of God on earth. And maybe they would miss that because they were so focused on the healings. Maybe they would start associating titles to Jesus, like we see they do in this story with the disciples. Who, who do people say that I am? Oh, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say, some say you're, you're one of the prophets. Who do you think I am? You're the Messiah. And he even stops them saying a term like Messiah, which we would know Jesus is, right? I mean, he was the Messiah. So why does he stop people using these terms, identifying him in these ways? Messiah, in the particular day, similar to Son of God, had many different meanings. Like Christian, evangelical, minister, so many people understood it in so many different ways. N.T. Wright, who's my favorite scholar, he said this, There was no one picture of the Messiah within Judaism of Jesus' day. Sorry, that, I, that, I, I didn't, that didn't even make sense to me. Let me say that again. There was no one picture of the Messiah within Judaism of Jesus' day. Messiahship, it seems, was whatever people made of it. Messiah means anointed one, God's chosen one. As I was preparing this message, when I thought that, the first thing that popped into my mind was like Neo from The Matrix. If you see Neo from The Matrix, that kind of thing. Um, or Frodo from Lord of the Rings. You know, a particular person chosen for a particular task that's going to change the world as you know it. This was the, the idea of the Messiah. And, and people had all these hundred different understandings of what the term meant. But generally, from, from the Bible, but from also um, other Juda- Judaistic um, sources, like the Talmud, the Mishnah, other books they used, we can pick up a picture of who they thought the Messiah to be. They thought the Messiah would be um, a king of Israel. He was meant to be this, this great king who would come and rule Israel, the greatest of Israelite kings to ever have been. They thought he would have been from the line of the king of David. To be born out of this particular bloodline. The King of David um, stands as the kind of nostalgic years for Israelites, the golden years, if you like, the years they look back. Oh, do you remember King David? He was awesome. They thought, they thought Jesus would be from this particular line, um, the Messiah, sorry, that he would defeat the Romans. The Romans were occupying Israel at the time. Obviously, they hated, the Israelite Jewish people hated these Roman occupiers and wanted rid of them. The Messiah was to come, be this great king from the line of David and defeat the Romans and free them that once again, Israelites would be able to rule their own nation. But yet, when we look at Jesus' journey, it was very, very different. So he was the Messiah, right? He was a king. But he was a king of peace. He came not to destroy or occupy, but to bring peace. He defines himself as that. He was from the line of David. We read that. And he came to defeat, but not to defeat the Romans. He came to defeat sin and death. Ultimately, that he would restore not Israelites to rule, but to the whole of humanity to God, right? He came with a very different mission. He was the Messiah. And if that term got out, and if people understood that term, suddenly they would be associating him with him with this whole political agenda that he didn't want to be associated with. So over a slow period of time, he wanted to reveal who he was and what he had come 
to accomplish. And we see this even more clearly after this particular story where he's asked the disciples who they say he is. He goes on to say, but I will die and I'll be resurrected three days later. He goes on to predict his death and resurrection. Why? Because he wants to change the definition of how they understood messiahship and what they thought that meant. Is your vision blurry? Are you unable to see what God is is doing because you want him to do a specific thing or you see him in a particular way? Maybe think about that blind man for a moment. I quite like that story. I think it's quite funny the way it kind of happened, that Jesus literally spat in his eyes. I mean, can you imagine that? This is the guy that you've been looking to to heal you and he spits in your face. And yet that's a way of healing you. But yet he, he sees, but he only sees a blurry picture. He sees humans as if they were trees. Maybe that's like you this evening. Maybe sometimes, could I dare to say that we are so determined to fit God into our box. We're so determined to define him by titles and understandings that we maybe miss a little bit of what this God is doing. I don't know about you, but if anything we learn from the Gospels, it's this. God does not always work the way we expect him to. He does not always do things the way we'd expect to see them. And I find maybe, maybe when we begin to lay down our presuppositions, our preconceptions of who Jesus is, maybe when we start to lay down some of the titles that God must work in or he's not the God that we know, maybe as soon as we start to settle down those things, to lay those things down, we'll be able to see him for who he truly is. Because Jesus wasn't what everyone expected. He didn't do what people thought. They wanted their grand king who would stand up on the hill and rule his people, but yet he demonstrated love. How did he demonstrate that? Through power, through control, no, through weakness. Through death on a cross for each and every single person here. God did not work in the way we expected. Where is God working now on your front line, on your everyday life? Where is he working that maybe you're not expecting him to, so you're not looking for that? My prayer tonight is, Father, open our eyes. Open our eyes to what, to what God's doing in, in our particular context. Wherever we go, to see him clearly for the first time. Is your vision blurry? Let's pray. prayer is simply this, as, as we go out um, this week, starting Monday morning, to all this, this stuff that we have ahead of us, I want to pray that you will open our eyes. Open our eyes not just to who you are, but open our eyes to what you're doing. May we see you clearly. May we take the wrapping away from you, all the boxes we want to place around you, and with open hands and open heart. May you reveal to us who you really are.